Hello, this is Alora Chestikoff from Firebird Summit, and welcome to the current episode of Grow or Die with me and Lawrence Henderson, taking on business, personal development, professional development, and career and leadership topics that come up and trying to see if we can have a great conversation. Each episode is released on a weekly basis, and we welcome you to join us in real time. Find the information on our site. Welcome to the conversation. Okay. okay, well, welcome to week two of Grow or Die. Hi, Hello. Laura. Yes. Hey, 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 Laura. Okay, so last week we tackled one of your favorite topics and one that I have a fondness for as well, uh, shame, and how to navigate through it. Very, very meaty stuff. Um, and it actually is what led to my choice for this week's topic. Uh-oh. You're ready. I'm ready. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that I love about Brene Brown's work, and I feel like these episodes are going to keep turning into commercials for everything she does. But, uh, but one of the things I love about her work is that there's so much in it that I don't think I've ever met anybody who didn't find, you know, two, three, four, like really dead on nuggets that just hit you at your core. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the shame is obviously like the big one and it's very much an overarching theme and a lot of what she does kind of bubbles up under it. But there were, she has a couple of really, really valuable points that like, they're the kind of things that when you read it in the book, like I have to put the book down. Cause I'm like, wow. Oh, like that was like a paradigm shifting moment. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So when we started talking about her last week, I realized like I knew what my topic for this week had to be. Okay, okay. Yes, those ones for me. So the question that I have is around how do you name, claim, and maintain your boundaries so you don't end up in festering resentment? Wow. Especially when you deal with like being in a leadership role Mm -hmm. at work, right? I know so many people who spend their, you know, Mm. their Saturday mornings catching up on email, their Sunday nights catching up on email, they're, they're complete, you know, and then there's me. I watched myself go job to job where I just went all in and nothing else mattered and no boundaries. And over time, My resentment level just rose, yeah. and rose and rose until I hit a straw that breaks the camel's back moment. And yeah. I'm like, screw this. I'm out. I quit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <clears throat> so immediately what comes up for me is uh, kind of a, the idea of John Maxwell quote where it says, if uh, you don't choose a, choose a path, any, anyone to get you there. And I feel that way about boundaries. Um, and what happens a lot of times with most leaders is we come into an organization and you want to show everybody what you got. And so you're all in, right? Hands, toes, feet, everything's in the pot. And then next thing you know, you look up and you're a year down the road and people are doing a hodgepodge of stuff and you immediately revert to, no, why are you doing it that way? Well, well, last time I did that, I got a success. And then you go around the corner and employee number two, why are you doing that? Well, last time I, I did that, I, I got acknowledged. 
And, and so people begin to do how they in, like experience you. And so with boundaries, it becomes and this inconsistent hodgepodge of stuff. And so what I say early on with people is come in with a, hey, this is me. These are X, Y, and Z of expectations up front. And then once I learn what the organization looks like, I'll begin building. Because what you, if you don't put those fences around yourself early, people will think that, oh God, and I hate this term, uh, open door to everything. And it's, it's not that case. And I mean, there's a wonderful book, No Ego, that talks about that, where qualify and quantify open door policy. And, and again, when it comes to boundaries, your feelings, your emotions, people will just cringe on you if you don't set clear expectations um, is the word that keeps coming up for me um, with how people should experience you um, from a boundary standpoint. Um, hopefully that makes sense. No, I totally, it totally does. And it, it reminds me actually, so I've had, you know, I've had plenty of bosses over the years that were perfectly happy to exploit my lack of boundaries and my willingness to you know, drop everything and get on a plane. And, you know, I had one business trip. I swear to God, it started off as a two week trip, ended up 57 days. Ooh. I went between the U S and Europe three times. I went bounce back between multiple European countries. I mean, like it was crazy 57 days. Wow. And the truth is like plenty, plenty of organizations are, perfectly content to let you do that and what what I really had to experience firsthand was twice I had bosses yeah. who put their foot down on my behalf about my boundaries I had one who actually kicked me out of the office he's like go you take a vacation get out just I don't want to wow. sit I don't yeah. want coming back before whatever it was he gave me a date he's like I don't want to see you in here before then and I want to see your autoresponder on your email I don't want you responding to email go you need to unplug. And I was like, huh, what? <laughs> you know, and then, and then yeah. fast forward more than a decade actually. And I was um, in a new, in a new role. And yeah. again, only girl in a boys club. I was brought in in a very senior position in a very, yeah. um, at a very high intensity time. It was immediately after an acquisition and I was there. I had a lot to prove yeah. out to prove stuff. And I remember one night we were, uh, we were at dinner with a client and, um, something came up about, about a presentation or a spreadsheet or something that I needed to make a tweak to. And, um, I remember telling my boss in that, I was like nine 30 at night. We were like having cocktails or something. And, and we'd been in client meetings all day. And I said, you know, actually I'm going to make the update to that tonight before I go home. I'm going to go back to the office, make the update to that file. And then, you know, and then go home. And he looked at me and he said, and mind you, I was less than 90 days on the job at that point. And he looked at me and he said, all right, listen, you got to do what you got to do, but you're in the office every day before 7am. I know that. And you going back to the office at 11 o'clock at night, that's not sustainable and you need to get that under control. And again, it was one of those moments where I was like, I don't, no entiendo. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, but the other, the flip side of that was like, I, I very much recognize in myself 
And to be fair, it's totally not just with work, but definitely I see it in work where I do get so eager to prove that I'm, you know, I can do it and I can do it better, tougher, stronger than everybody else. You know, I get in my whole like bionic woman mode that I want to prove it. And so I, you know, I do, I'll answer email on, you know, Sunday night and I'll, you know, be checking email between, you know, getting meals or, you know, like whatever. And it's like, wow, really? You just set, you've just set boundaries for everybody so uh, so one thing that um and i was writing something down that that you said that never put together that it's always been there of this insatiable need to make yourself fit what the stereotypical leader is supposed to do and one thing growing up as a minority is this banter and in probably you the narrative of as a woman you need to be 200 times better than your counterpart and it wasn't until probably probably about five years ago where i was like i know i'm hedging and i'm not even giving 100 percent of me and i'm outpacing and outperforming people what if i got good at being unapologetically 100% me. And when I started being 100% me and comfortable and confident in my ability, what I stopped doing was stretching and compartmentalizing the stretch. And so one area I was gassing myself out. Then another area, I was like, eh, I'm better than everybody in this arena. So I'm not going to go that hard. But what was happening is I was putting all that extra energy in these other buckets where it was just tiring. And I, it was just this constant roller coaster of emotions and feelings. And that was like, and then what was it rooted in was comparison. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, man, I'm in, I'm in a competition with one person. And he's looking back at me in the mirror. And, and when and boundaries got easy, boundaries got positioned around my capacity, mm-hmm. not your perceived reality and capacity for my role in your organization. And I stopped absorbing all that additional pressure of what I believed. And then here's, here's this phenomenon. I started asking questions. What do you expect from me? Because I found myself, even 100% of me, was still doing more than they actually expected. <laughs> so, well, or, or doing the wrong, like the wrong Working thing. on the wrong stuff. Oh my gosh. So, you know, like I, I've been uh, writing on, on my blog and my email recently about uh, Gallup's uh, 12 elements of employee engagement, right? The number one thing is I know what is expected of me at work. And if you don't have that, oh. you, can, you can expend enormous amounts of energy on the wrong stuff and burn yourself out and not mm. actually touch the stuff that's you know that that the people around you think is important exactly exactly and go ahead oh no i was going to ask you so so yeah. you know one of the things that i always love hearing about from you mm-hmm. is so since we come from different industries right and we yeah. come from very different backgrounds you know when i think about my journey to finding boundaries at work yeah. and I totally agree with you. I think from a minority and a woman perspective, we're often told like you, you got to double up to outshine the white boys that you're competing Mm -hmm. with because they outnumber you like, you know, 15 to one. Um, 
And so I think there's, there's a really unhealthy model that we absorb there. But when it comes to boundaries, I'm curious from your perspective, if you, you know, obviously you came out of the military, the military, if there's one thing that the military is good at, it's breaking, breaking you down to build you back up in a way that's conducive for their objectives. Do you feel like the military was, was, um, helpful or harmful in your ability to maintain boundaries with work? Mm. I think it's, it's, it's both. Um, and, and I would say it's created a different person, um, today than, than I believe would have happened if I had, I hadn't gone into military. And so the reason why I say both, um, it's hurt me because when I transitioned out five years ago, because of the types of type A personalities, the type of team players and collaborative environments I was a part of, I actually came out with this false expectation of people on this side of life. And so where I found myself, I found myself increasingly frustrated with people's go mode. And I was like, man, you do not have another switch. Like, oh, that is your high level. <laughs> I'm you're, sorry. You're, you're in fifth year and they're in second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 but, but it was like, oh, okay. And people were like, hey, dude, you need to calm down. You need to slow down. And I was like, uh, you, well, you need to actually find another gear. Um, go to a mechanic, get a tune-up. Um, and, and then once it happened, it was like, okay, who is this really about um, in far as be, becoming aware? Because one of the things that was crazy is that later in my career is when we actually started 360 assessments as a part of our reviews. We started 360s um, in the Army um, and beginning to get that feedback. And so there was a level of awareness that I had upon coming out where had I not gotten that early on as as Captain Henderson in the middle part of my career and then practiced it as a lifestyle, now I see organizations that they don't even do feedback. Tell them do it. And so if I would have just went straight into the workforce, would I be that 20 plus year tenured associate down the line that's never actually gotten any usable feedback for growth and if you're in my shoes, I didn't get my first mentor until two years after being out of the military. And so it's crazy. So almost 15, 16 years after leaving college is when I got my first mentor. That's insane. So I was just fumbling through life. So it's so funny. Your story reminds me, oh my God, I'm going to sound like such a nerd, which I am, so it's okay. But uh, <laughs> it reminds me of an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where... Yeah. Hard has this opportunity to see what his life had been if he hadn't had this this really dangerous uh, um, heart injury when he was younger and what mm -hmm. his life would look like. And the parallel universe that emerged was a man who didn't take risks and who took who played it safe all the time. And he was he was a very low level. He had a very low rank. He wasn't you know captain of the enterprise. Like it was. Exactly. But the, the stark reality of it was that this really traumatizing or difficult event yep. in his life had been an enormous catalyst for a lot of the growth and the, and so I think it's so funny because I think yeah. so many people like to, I mean, obviously nobody enjoys trauma, like trauma by, by definition, that is not something you want. <laughs> but I think the truth is it's so many people have, have that I see all the time find their biggest growth and their biggest learning and their biggest catalyst for whatever achievement yeah. they accomplish came out of what they got from a really, you know, horrible experience. For sure. For sure. Sign up for a horrible experience. You can't underestimate that 
sometimes it's the rocket fuel and you know that gets for sure. you off the ground. For sure. For sure. So I'm I'm so I'm curious and 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 you're you're right on the cusp of telling your story. What is your story? How how did you end up today and in particular the name of your company? Ah. Okay. So um so it's funny. So my company actually started off as a partnership with uh, some of my former Ukrainian team. Um, and because we all come from Eastern Europe, the Firebird is an Eastern European fairy tale. Okay. Uh, and it's, and so it was kind of an homage to the Eastern European thing, but the summit part was very much, uh, and, and to be fair, Firebird is a Phoenix and it's about, you know, burning yeah. down and reinventing, which has been like my key metaphor in my life the last yeah. year. Um, but summit really comes back to achieving more than you thought and having, you know, having a, a, an ambitious goal and there's nothing I don't love more than a good BHAG. So I like that. <laughs> um, and so that's where it came from. But specifically for me, I think the thing that, that also became clear, you know, this is my third, this is my third round of self-employment. The first time I had my own business was a function of pure necessity. I, it was, it was after the, um, the crash in 2008, I had been transitioning jobs. I had three job offers moved from New York to Austin. And in the amount of time that I moved, all three job offers went away because everybody wow. panicked about the market. Um, and so I started doing a little bit of consulting. I stood up my own business, but it was a function of pure necessity. I didn't want to do it. And I was kind of circumstances dragged me kicking and screaming. That's, you know, a couple years later, I go yeah. back to work full time. A few years after that, I go back and, um, and I'm self-employed round two. A little bit more direction, a little bit more clarity, still not, mm. I, still, I still viewed it very much as a mm, short-term kind of interim thing. Um, and this last round was, I think for me, the first time that I've gone in really like committed and eager to do it because of my last corporate job and the way it ended. And, and it was exactly this. It was my boundaries. I, ha I went in with no boundaries. Mm -hmm. it, it wrote its course. At the end, I did what I have now done on three separate occasions that I now see that I have done on three separate occasions, which is allow my own lack of boundaries to burn me out until I'm resentful and until my only answer is basically, screw you, I'm out of here. Wow. Um, and you know, in math, they say that you have to have three points or three, three points in space to plot, you know, to plot a pattern. Yeah. That was really it for me. It was, I'm like, oh my God, this is such an unhealthy pattern. Like, why have I been doing this? I knew, you know, I, you know, romantic relationships, I had the same problem, right? No boundaries in the beginning and you try to enforce them later and all of a sudden everybody's upset. And yeah. I realized that was one of my, that was just a bad habit that I yeah. had. And for me, that's why, you know, Brene Brown's work just was a zinger for me on that front because yeah. I found myself doing, and she has some great stories about, you know, yeah. stuff that she doesn't want to agree to yeah. and then being, you know, resentful and pissed off later. And it's like, that's so passive aggressive. And I do not think of myself as a passive aggressive person at all. And so when I realized that I was doing something repeatedly and once I had seen that pattern, I'm like, holy crap, I have to stop that because this is not, A, it's not who I want to be. Yeah. B, it's definitely not how I want to show up as a leader. But but see, even more than that, it keeps hurting the relationships in my life. Yeah. And again, you know, getting getting into like middle age, you start realizing that mm -hmm. those, those are the important things. And the last yeah. thing I want, I know no job is going to last indefinitely, right? The jobs yeah. go away. Yep. But the most important relationships, I have been very fortunate to continue them over, you know, the 25 yeah. years of 
of my career. And that behavior undermines those. And I don't, that to me was not worth the price of, you know, my temper tantrum on my way out the door because I was just pissed off because somebody had taken advantage of a situation that I had created myself. Wow. So, so what comes up for me? And thank you for that. Um, because when you said, you know, just that analogy of there being these three points or what it could be, it could be 50 for, for whoever, but it quickly had me process what were my three points mm. along this journey to full-time entrepreneurship. And since I transitioned in 2015 from the army, first started off trying to sell insurance. Yeah. Don't ask me why. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't ask me why. So that lasted five months. Then second next job was in HR information systems. Wanted to stab myself with sharp objects every day, sitting in the office. And I started down this road of learning and development. It was always in the backdrop of coaching. And then the next gig was in training and development. I was like, oh, dream position, dream position. But what's funny is something you said about boundaries is I was really, really clear with this third opportunity of what my boundaries were. And it had everything to do with what was important to me. And it was all a value set. And one thing that in, in Brene, one of Brene's Brown, and I have it posted so I can constantly look at it. And where she talks about courage is not an inherent trait. It is, however, less about who people are and more about how they behave and show up in difficult situations. And everything you just described, everything you just broke down and why Laura is who she is today and why Lawrence is who he is today is we show up. And if we don't show up as us in every situation, it's wrong. And I, and I haven't felt more me in a long time than I have, right? Like I am today. And it's because I was willing. I was willing to say, is this a thing for me? And and I think boundaries, if I didn't know what I was standing on and in the foundations of what was important to me, I believe that's why people stay in organizations too long. Oh, I would totally agree. It's, it's a it's moving target. It's safe and you don't have yeah. to hard questions golly and and it's and not only that about asking tough questions it's about you know what i can i can put a clock to it this is going to happen i know in that comfort part of it right is is such a false false comfort in like you know what check comes on the first and 15th i know i know what to expect from my boss he he or she yells on Mondays, takes off on Tuesday. Um, they're back to yelling third, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday they work from home. And and I could just do that from week to week, and 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 I know my pace, right? Um, but I think the boundaries piece of it, Alora, is that people, for lack of a better term, they take others into consideration, and how will I be perceived versus does this make me feel safe? And I think ultimately we all want to feel safe in our environments. But then if you really were honest with yourself, have you created opportunities for people to know what safe looks like for you? So it's funny. So th- what that reminds me is, is uh, a, 
something else Brene Brown talks about all the time when it comes to courage, which is her daily mantra of, I choose courage over comfort. And I think that is so, it's so hard and that shows up in so many ways. And it also gets to, I swear we're creating like an endless commercial for her. Um, it also comes to the other thing that, that she says that ties back to what you said, which is, you know, that authenticity is a daily practice. It's not a box you get to check and then move on. Like authenticity is, um, you know, and that's one of my two most important core values. And so for me, that's, that's been a, an important way to look at it is to recognize mm -hmm. that I am given opportunities every day to make a decision about showing up authentically or just getting along to go along. Yeah. And you have to make that choice. And it doesn't get to be that, oh yeah, I'm an authentic person or no, I'm not. It's like, no, this choice is an authentic choice. And the next choice that comes up, I have to make that decision to do that again or not. And yeah. you don't, it, there's no autopilot for it. And it's just like, it's just like your point about courage. It all yeah. ties back together sure. and it's about showing up and it's about how yeah. you want to show up over and over again. Yeah. I think it's so, I think it's so, um, hard to do that if you don't know yeah really important to you and it cut which comes back to the values point right like yeah it's so much easier to be consistent with your value with your boundaries when you know what your values are yeah oh my god so and i i truly believe it's the great equalizer to filtering who your tribe is Right. And again, I, I, I get it. Everybody wants to be a part of something, but you don't have to be a part of everything. Like understand who you are and feel so comfortable in your skin and so unapologetic about it. Like I love the word being unapologetically me. Like I just, I love it so much now because it's a real thing for me now. And I, I was the guy who, man, why, why didn't he text me back? Why, why, why did they go away? Why? Well, you were clear about who you are and what they, they were clear too. And they stopped coming around because they weren't ready for that. Good. Like, like, and I'm like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> like it's a natural filter. Right. Um, and, and so as it pertains to values, like you said, and I love consistency. Right. Um, and the other word I'll use is becoming disciplined in how you describe and, and get it gets more refined in the messaging because your messaging becomes a lifestyle. And that is the action that people, they read your life, how they observe you, what they're watching. It's like a TV show. And if every time somebody encounters you, they're experiencing a different episode of something, your boundaries are, are, are all over the place. Yeah. But people want to experience a consistent and disciplined version of you and so that they can build relationship. And I believe that's what we all want to encounter is authentic relationship. I know what I'm going to get with Alora, And I am not surprised when something comes out of your face <laughs> that, and, and like, and I'm thinking about the people around me, I guarantee somebody got offended, but it's so awesome. I, I, <laughs> So awesome. but, but I know, I, I know a Lord. Like it, it is well, it is. well, and I think that's, you know, I think it's funny what you just said reminded me of, you know, especially working with a lot of like startups and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, working on honing your elevator pitch. And the truth is, you, you know, you have an elevator pitch for you too. Yeah. 
And yeah. to your point, sometimes, oh, there's a meme that I love and I think I have it on Instagram like six different times. It says, you know what? You're going to be too much for some people, but guess what? Those aren't your people. 100%. And you know what? We all absolutely want to find our tribe. And yeah. sometimes, it, sometimes you, you get so frustrated that it feels like it's okay to compromise and all right, well, you know, I can make do here just because you feel so isolated that anything is better than nothing. But the truth is it's not, it just, it's a short term hit with a mm. long price. There you go. I think it's really hard to remember that sometimes when you're not kind of clicking with people. Right. And then when sure. you find people that you click with, it's like, huh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not letting those guys go, which is why exactly. I love that we get to do this because because yeah, it's so like you and I both have that experience, right? We're like, sure. oh my God, you are a little too much for me. <laughs> and like you and I, and the thing is, is that not everybody actually has that effect on other people. Sure. So not all people. And so I've gotten, that's one of those things that I've kind of developed a spidey mm -hmm. sense for when I meet somebody is, mm -hmm. oh no, he's, he's in the habit of being considered too much. He's, he's going to be my new BFF because mm -hmm. I, he and I understand what yeah. that means and that sometimes oh, yeah. it does suck and it hurts your feelings and you feel rejected. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, you and I can sound all ballsy and stuff when we talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it sucks. But it can really hurt. And especially when you're younger and you don't really understand that you're intimidating people and you don't even mean to. I mean, they're so, and again, this is one of those things that I love about getting, like, older is you're like, okay, no, you know what? I, I'm sorry that, you know, I scared the living crap out of you. Yep. But I guess what? I guess that means we're probably just better off on our respective sides of the fence and you do there your mine. But it takes it takes time and effort and and really learning learning what the right fit feels like. Because when you meet somebody, and it's funny, I have a list I have a list I keep here on my near my desk of people that I kind of like instantly connected with. And the truth is, when that happens, and you're like, like yeah. we're like, you know, on the same wavelength, super yeah. soon. I think it's really it really helps to remind yourself of that when you do have those moments where you're like, I really like that person, but it's just not, it's not fitting right. And it's so, yeah. it happens with friends, it happens with colleagues, it happens yeah. with romantic partners, like it happens in all relationship dimensions. And so, you know, being too much can kind of suck, but on hmm. the other hand, it's a great, it's kind of a great filter because other people uh -huh. who are also too much are probably exactly your people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm going to go first and I'm going to ask you as we wrap this up today, what's your pitch? So oh, as, as I, yeah, I know mine. And, and it, I, crazy thing is in a coaching session, I, I pulled it out because I was going through it. I was having a moment and my pitch now is my mission is to value and be valued by showing respect through respectful service in order to live a life filled with integrity and peace, thus connecting me to a hopeful and unlimited future. That is a very, very polished version, way more so than mine. <laughs> okay. Okay. So mine is I, I work with people that I love on projects that I find meaningful and my underlying goal is to help other people discover and realize their own unique badassariness. Read new language out in these streets. That's what I'm talking about. There we that go. That is so awesome. That is so awesome.
So as we wrap up, I want to yeah. also announce that we have another project that we're doing with another friend of ours. Woo! Yes. It's super exciting. Why don't you, so since I've talked so much this time, why don't you? No, it's all good. So we brought in another crazy, super talented and gifted coach, Paul Tripp, um, in another podcast that we all combined our superpowers um, and crazy synergy just happened in our first episode today. Um, and go ahead and give them the name, Alora. Oh, it's Action Not Excuses. Man. And in, in this podcast, we're, we're laying it down, right, from every angle, every perspective. Um, and again, just so you all understand, this is not just two people who come from the same type of neighborhood or three people come from it. We got West Coast, East Coast, South, North, like we got them covered. Like we, we're traveled people um, with different backgrounds, um, different love languages, and we're just coming to, to impart wisdom, um, get raw, um, and raw is an acronym of uh, sharing real authentic wisdom um, with you all. And I'm excited that uh, I get to come along for the ride. So oh, me too. me too. And, and, and yeah, obviously we all, t we both love Paul too. And, yeah. and I think what's really fun about, you know, and we saw it in our first conversation today is that, you know, Paul really is very, very committed to focusing on that C-suite and having that, you know, yeah. that breakthrough moment. And, yeah. and you have this view of this whole developmental life cycle of people in the organizations. Mm -hmm. And I really love those new managers and helping them discover mm -hmm. their superpower. And, and so for, for all of us, we come at, at, you know, how do you build a healthy organization yeah. from completely different perspectives, which is so much fun to like hear how, how it looks from a different lens. And yeah, so it's, it's awesome. And so we'll be doing that once a week. We'll uh, get that, that information pushed out as well. But yes, we've, mm -hmm. got, we've got that underway. So we'll wrap up this week. And next week, Lawrence gets to spring a topic on me. Oh, gotta do that. Yeah, I know. In the meantime, <laughs> as always, my friend, I love getting the chance to talk to you. You as well. We'll wrap it up for now and regroup next week. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Tune in next week where we take on our next topic. Have a great week.